Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another great Wednesday night, the fastest two hour on internet radio. I'd like to welcome our legends. First off, from the Jersey Shore, Mr. Don Henderson. From Hotlanta, Mr. Roger Hendler. From down here in Tampa Bay, Mr. Roy Cummings. And 
gentleman is, is anchors the ship every week. Great job every week, Mr. Frank Carroll. Hey, Roger, I'm going to start up the conversation with you. I'm watching the Winnipeg Jets, okay, watching the, the pregame stuff, right? Remember, that, that's, right. that's a, still make up of the same Atlanta Thrashers right now. So it's really Atlanta's playing Montreal just for the losing round. Isn't that something, though? Yeah, and my question is, if they had stayed in Atlanta and there was no Winnipeg team, what would they have done about the uh, Canadian playoffs? Because you would have had another American League team, American uh, base team, and one less Canadian team. Wow, that's a great question. You know, they're still trying to figure that out. Oh, boy. Well, there's big win, Roy. Cummings bought the lightning the other night. I mean, it's just this team, I think it's poised for another cup run at it, Roy. But what I've been seeing, you know, guys have been playing, and standing, or, just, or defensemen standing up also great, too. Well, so oh, yeah, let me interrupt just for a second. We, uh, we always okay. do dedications at the beginning of the show. Okay. Yeah. And you and I and Roger were talking and uh, right. take a little moment of oh, silence right. with yeah. the Iron Horse. Lou Gehrig, yes. yeah, they're honoring him yes. all throughout baseball today. It's Lou Gehrig mm-hmm. Day, and it's ALS Day. And I think everybody right. knows what ALS is all about. Uh, Lou Gehrig, of course, uh, contracted that disease in his major league career, and he's really been the focal point. So uh, Frank suggested, and I agree, we should take just a moment yes. to honor mm-hmm. Lou Gehrig. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, Roger, go ahead. <laughs> well, just, uh, you know, who who can ever forget that uh, speech, Don, that Tommy Frank and you and we were and, uh, Roy, we were talking about uh, before we went uh, started the show. Uh, you know, it'll just live in infamy. And what I mentioned was that uh, at the beginning of the Braves uh, telecast tonight, Chip Carey did a really nice piece uh, on uh, Lou Gehrig. And there's three statues in Cooperstown. Uh, that are very special because they've had a major effect on society. It was Lou Gehrig mm-hmm. and then uh, also um, Roberto Clemente and Jackie Robinson. And I, so I thought that was what very – Chip did uh, really a nice piece on that. A very no question. Thing. And, of course, one of the diseases that we uh, just hadn't been able to get a real handle on is ALS and – uh, Roger, you said at the beginning of uh, our conversation, too, that uh, and the Phillies always held a day, Phillies day, uh, Phillies night. Uh, ALS was uh, the focal point of everybody pitching in and uh, being a big part of Phillies baseball and the charity. So we have to give Phillies a, a little bit of a uh, salute today because they were in it early. Yeah, well, they have an auction going on right now. So uh, at phillies. dot com, I think it is, and uh, the uh, and they, every year they've done this, and you can remember right. as long as we can remember, Don, that they've done this. So they're to be congratulated. No question, Tommy. Let's get back to your sport. Uh, the Flyers had a great game last night. In fact, they've had two great games so far. That's right. Uh, but especially, especially last night, they. Uh, they controlled almost the entire game, uh, winning it 2-1, to one and uh, showed exactly why they're right now the, the best team in the league. That's right, Don. And, and, you know, just doing a lot of thinking about last night. I mean, here it is. You know, like, Sorelli um, reminds me of Rick McQuish. Edmund reminds me of a Jimmy or Joe Watson. 
and Vavileski reminds me of Bernie Prime. It's all about 1975 all over again with those three players dying. And, and without those three players, I mean, the Lightning would have never won that hockey game last night. And uh, Roy, what do you think about that? I think those those were the key players in the whole series out there. If you remember 2004, what was the key for this Lightning in that one series? Chris Stigman went out there going corner to corner to corner to corner to eat up time. And, and you know, we don't have to do it anymore. The player was speed. And technically, and a great thing for that organization right now. It's something to play for. And Carolina's got a lot of lot of work to do uh, tomorrow night at the arena. And as the Lightning can jump on those the first two minutes out of hockey, like they did before, I think it's start saying, let the fat lady come in for Carolina on Saturday and start singing. And Roy, yeah, a little well, tough, uh, tough time last night between uh, the television. Uh, the Rays had a great, great game against the Yankees last night at Yankee Stadium. And, of course, the uh, we just indicated the, the Lightning playing the kind of game that they played last night, winning a 2-1. to one. And I know you probably had your finger on both games, Roy. I had my finger on two games, uh, the Lightning game and the Cubs game. I missed the Rays game, uh, as good as that was. The, go. uh, the Cubs... Uh, Cubs were playing the Padres, so uh, so I had my uh, I was I was following that one along with the Lightning. Uh, Tommy, who's the Dave Schultz of the uh, of the Lightning? Would that be Patrick Maroon, maybe? I think Patrick Maroon. I think they yeah, got he, one. He, yeah, I Cedric Falkett. No, I think Cedric some started up there. Our guys are backing away from Cedric Falkett. You remember last year, guys, when Falkett was on the Lightning? How many dumb penalties did this man take on the? On the ice, he took every stupid dumb penalty out there, and guess who saved him? Guess who saved the Lightning? Sorelli on the shorthand play, Yanni Gord. And I'm looking forward for tomorrow night. I think our fans be pumped up, fired up, and send Carolina where they belong, back to Hartford, where the original state. Well, they're not going back to Hartford; they'll go back to Raleigh. But um, you know what? You're right. Let's face it. You know, you got to give. Look, one thing you can't take away from the Lightning is that they have been. Um, I think the most dominant team in the Eastern Conference uh, so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really had no trouble whatsoever with uh, with Florida, it seems. And uh, so far, not really much trouble with Carolina. I mean, they're not scoring it at will, um, but no. they're not allowing much either. And, uh, you know, right now, they look – you're right. They, they look poised for another cup run. Um, you know, mm-hmm. things could get a little bit tougher if they end up facing uh, – now, let's see who they face in the next round, um, right. but it's starting to look mm-hmm. like they're going to get there. Uh, that's for sure. But, um, you know, right. we'll see how it goes. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough, uh, it's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, Islanders, Bruins, we'll see what, uh, you know, what they can do, do against those teams. I think they'll have a little bit more trouble with Boston. They probably would rather face the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, but, uh, either way, uh, they're playing exceptionally well. You know, the goaltending has been outstanding, which you expect. Uh, the defense has been very strong. The penalty kill, uh, very good. They're, they're so aggressive uh, on the penalty kill. It's, it's really frustrating for other teams uh, on the power play. You know, same token, I, I wouldn't say that uh, Carolina can't bounce back and win a game here, uh, you know, before this is over. That could happen. And if they suddenly win, you know, two, well, uh, they could make it interesting. Carolina's good. And mm-hmm. Rod Brindamore is a smart coach. Um, he's right. got the guys who can shut down. I mean, they've already done it. You know, they've done a pretty decent job, really, of shutting down Stamkos, Kucherov, Point. Point got a goal the other night. Right. 
But mm-hmm. uh, what the Lightning seem to have uh, better than anybody else is they have guys who really step up on those second and third lines yep. mm-hmm. uh, and, and give you some offense. Um, I mean, Alex Kalorn has always been his, at his best in the playoffs. Uh, Yanni Gord is another one who's like that. Blake Coleman is certainly that level of player. Um, they've got guys who just really step it up and, uh, and play at an exceptionally high level. Um, you know, and they've done it uh, even with some injuries. You know, or Eric Chernak wasn't 100% mm-hmm. last night, but still looked good. Right. Um, look, it's, they're the Stanley Cup champions for a reason. They'll continue to be until somebody eliminates them. And right now, it's hard to find anybody that's uh, – it's hard to look at anybody and say, well, that team can eliminate them. Um, you know, right. if the, I, a lot of people talking now about a possibility of a Colorado Tampa Bay uh, Stanley Cup Ooh. final, that could happen. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be a great, uh, great series with a lot of star caliber players for sure. So, uh, but let's you know, Edmonds is Edmonds is pretty select company too, Roy. I I, I don't want to. Your all the players you mentioned are playing really well, but Edmonds went with a little bit of a uh, a nick. Uh, you know, we talked about it a couple last couple of shows. Would he be a hundred percent? But he moved into some pretty good company last night. Yeah, he sure did. And, and look, you expect that out of Victor Hedman uh, playing mm-hmm. hurt again. We don't know what the injury is, um, you know. But he's apparently, apparent, supposedly, he's got something. You know, um, there've been a couple times when he hasn't quite looked the same. But then there's been times when you don't seem to notice anything. So I'm kind of a, of the oak. If, if you don't want to tell us what the injury is, then he doesn't have one. You know, I, I think it's, it's great that these teams come around and say, "Oh, you know, he played with, he played with this or he played with that." Like, you know, I don't want to hear it. So, mm-hmm. If he's if he's out there, he's out there. You know what? Uh, well, everybody's got a little something right. going on. It's like it's that way in every sport. Uh, it's mm-hmm. that way in the NBA. It's that way in the NHL. It's that way in Major League Baseball right now. Everybody's got a That's little right. something going on. If you don't want to tell me what it is, then you don't have a problem. And I don't want to hear any griping right. and moaning about it. Um, exactly. So he's got to step up. He's done it. Um, but you know what? So is everybody else. I mean, what I like is, you know, Jan Ruda shows up last night, plays well. Luke Shen has to step in. He plays well. Uh, they've lost a couple of, you know, key guys, David Savard on the penalty kill. It, it, it almost doesn't affect them. I mean, there's still as no. good a penalty killing unit as there is. So um, it, it's just a very deep team. And uh, right now, I'm not sure anybody – I don't know that anybody outside of Boston in the East can beat them. I don't think um, – I certainly don't think uh, – I, I, I don't think the Islanders can. I mean, they, they the Islanders were looking really good last year, and then all of a sudden they ran into Tampa, and it was kind of like there was right. nothing left in the tank. Um, the same mm-hmm. thing would probably happen this time. They'd have to be a couple of rounds in to, to face them. What would they have left? Do they have enough scoring to, you know, to, to, to beat them? I don't know that they do. Boston is a team that I think could beat them in the East, but um, maybe the only one of the ones that are left. And then you go out West and, uh, you know, who do you like out there? Uh, I do like Colorado. I think that'd be an exceptional series, um, but you never know. Somebody else could give them a surprise too. So we'll see. I mean, these playoffs have, been, have shown us a couple of things with Edmonton going out with uh, Toronto going out. Uh, right. It really doesn't matter what you did in the regular season because those regular season records aren't showing mm-hmm. up for much of anything. If Tampa was third and they were, well, in their division, well, they've already knocked off the number one team, or the, I'm sorry, the number two team, and now they're about to knock off number two, so or number one. So uh, right. they've looked by far the best team in the division and probably in the conference. Roger, I got it. Roy, uh, and you know, all uh, I, I have to give credit to Al Morgani uh, for this statistic, but I found it very interesting. I'm sure you will too. 
there is only one player surviving in the Stanley Cup playoffs that is making a double-figure yearly salary. Ooh. You mean multi? You mean, you mean uh, more than ten million dollars? More than ten million dollars a year. Ten million dollars mm. or more. There's only one and who's player that? now. Uh, I forget who it was that he said, but uh, he Washington. The, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just I forget who he said, but I thought it was a fascinating statistic that mm-hmm. because all the big names have all been knocked out, just like you said, Roy. Okay, you know, uh, the Lightning knocked out number one, now uh, number two, now it's going to be number one. And uh, so all the, uh, the high money uh, makers are, uh, are eliminated, the big names. Well, you know, when Toronto went out, I mean, you know, let's face it, uh, well, Marner wasn't making 10 to 12 million, but, but Matthews was. Uh, you look over at, uh, at Colorado, and Nathan McKinnon is making, I think, 6 million. So. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a weird stat, but it makes sense because um, I don't know that anybody on the Lightning, maybe maybe it's Stamkos. I, I'm not sure what his salary what is. I think it's Stamkos, is, but, right? It's you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it probably is. But, uh, you know, most of the guys, again, you're, you're talking about young stars, and with a salary cap, um, it's hard to give guys, you know, $10, $12, 14000000 million in the NHL. So, um, and a lot of these guys are young players, young stars, and uh, – you know they're just um, that's uh, they're not going to be making those ten twelve million dollars just yet. They will eventually, but uh, they're not there just yet. And uh, most of them are making you know somewhere between six and nine uh, million. Uh, Carey Price could be could be the guy. I'm I'm not sure. That's a great stat mm-hmm. though for sure. How the Lightning stand, Tommy? I mean, what what what's their top and middle? Where, where do they stand? I, that's a good question up there. <laughs> um, I think. Probably in the middle because you got a couple guys that are over Stammer, Cooch, and Babaleski. Then you got a couple guys that are under right now. So, I mean, right now, it doesn't care about what, how much they make. This is the difference of hockey is for everything else. These guys play for the love of the game. And, and by George, they're, this is the best time of year, Don, and everybody watch all these hockey games and, and all the guys that they play come in. And, and it, it, you know, Roy and everybody, you got to feel sorry for Toronto again. Since 1967, they had not won a cup. They came close in the 70s. They had come close a couple of years ago with, you know, with the with the actual positions they got. Austin Matthews up there, and still haven't got come up with nothing up there. So, oh boy, if you're a Toronto hierarchy, Toronto fans, Leaf Nation's not very happy right now after after seeing what Montreal did. So Montreal's taking their place in the playoffs. Yeah, they are, and uh, yeah, I, I guess some people might feel sorry for Toronto. I know they don't feel sorry for them in Montreal, and uh, right. probably uh, you know some other places as well. But uh, yeah. you know, look, uh, they they've got a team full of stars, and that mm-hmm. those stars have not figured out how to play. Uh, you know, after uh, after April first, they just haven't figured that yeah. that out, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's really it's really amazing. I mean. You know, I think one thing to, to what Roger was saying that, uh, you know, one thing that that stat proves that there's one player left making $10 million or more in the NHL playoffs right, right. now is the fact that in its own way, uh, through the salary cap, uh, the NHL has reached parity. Uh, anybody yeah. could, could be the team. You know, a year ago, I don't think anybody thought Dallas getting to the, 
to the, no. to the Stanley no. Cup Finals. Two years before, nobody saw St. Louis getting to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, mm-hmm. When a team like Las Vegas can come in as an expansion team, and granted the, uh, the right. rules have changed in, in terms of uh, how expansion drafts are going, but still you're, you're basically picking up somebody's you know, eighth or, or ninth Good. best player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, They go to the Stanley Cup Finals. It, it, it's amazing the parity that is in this league right now. When Montreal can beat uh, Toronto in, in, in a division playoff, uh, that's that's exceptional. I mean, that just that just shows you when, yes, when Washington gets knocked out early. It it just shows you how uh, how deep this league really is, and uh, mm-hmm. and how balanced it is. Now, part of it is also that it's just a different game in the playoffs. And if you're not right. built for it, um, if you're not uh, mentally built for it, physically built for it, uh, you're you're going to have some pro- some problems. But um, that's one of the things that makes playoff hockey in the NHL uh, so exceptional is that you, you can't just you, – you literally can throw out everything that you saw in the regular season because it no longer means anything. Yeah. Uh, the best players have to be the best players, but, you know, you've got mm-hmm. guys who just uh, have a knack for stepping up in uh, big moments and uh, playing a different style of game, and sometimes that's just the style you need to win at this level. Right, I think it's as simple as your first fact. I think, uh, first of all, Bettman and and the National Hockey League got their players contract uh, together very, very early. Uh, they do have a, a solid cap on where the money's going to go, and I think that's mm-hmm. what balances it out. I, I, I think it's as simple as that. You can't go out and get 10 players and pay them all kinds of money, you know, like right. the New Jersey Nets did, and win a, a Stanley Cup. You can't do it. Right. No, I think you're right, and and the best example of that is Toronto. Uh, Toronto had you know three, mm-hmm. four of those guys making big money. Um, you know now they're they're trying to figure out well what are we going to do? And and you know I, 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 there's a lot of talk about Mitch Marner being moved. I, I heard an interesting um, trade scenario where with guys left with, with time left on their contract, maybe another year. Marner's got another year left in his contract. You know there's talk about maybe uh, an exchange of a player. Uh, Marner going to another team for, a, for a, again, a, a high-caliber young player like himself um, who's only got a year left on the contract and may not be back. Um, you know, so for example, uh, maybe Seth Jones with Columbus would be a, a guy. But it's amazing right. to me that a team like Toronto, which everybody praised so much, and, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to say, as much praise as I heard for Toronto all throughout the course of the year, um, you know, on the NHL network and, and just, you know, in NHL circles all over. Uh, by the way, Montreal is now up one nothing on Winnipeg. Yes, one nothing. Um, but yes. Uh, so it, it just amazed me that, that all of a sudden, after all this praise, and while all that praise was going on, I was saying, you know, you're kind of, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a small sample size. Yeah, you're seeing them dominate, you know, Winnipeg, Montreal, Vancouver, Edmonton, mm-hmm. Calgary. They're not dominating Boston or Washington or Philadelphia or Tampa Bay or, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, Colorado or Vegas or L.A. for that matter. So um, I always kind of mm. thought it's like, you know, ease up on the gas here a little bit, folks, because Toronto may not be as good as you think. They're, they're in a bit of a bubble. Right. And that's why, right. again, these playoffs are hard to gauge because, you know, Tampa was in that bubble and did well for a while then kind of, you know, streamlined, and then all of a sudden they kind of fell down. You know, they kind of lost it a little bit near the end. But now look at it. So 
it's really hard to judge the way this uh, season, this preseason, this regular season went. Uh, it, it's hard to use that as a gauge for what you're going to see here in these playoffs. Roger? Well, what, I'll tell you, Roy, I, I look at the Flyers uh, early in the season. Uh, they look terrific uh, and very uh, deep with, uh, with talent, and they were uh, very successful uh, in the, against, even against uh, Boston. And now, like you said, and, you know, now you look at uh, Boston and the Islanders, and uh, the Islanders were strong. But I agree with you. And, you know, the thing that gets me is that the Canadians have not been uh, stronger uh, over a number of years as they were in, quote, unquote, the old days, which, you know, was a while ago now. But, uh, you know, I can remember years ago we were – go ahead. Were you talking about Montreal Canadiens or, or the Canadians? Yeah, yeah, the Canadians. Yeah, yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Well, I'm they, sorry. They, yeah. They, look, Mark Bergevin's their new general manager, and and he's like he's a first time GM, uh, former Lightning defenseman. Uh, you know, yep. and and look, they've they've tried some things. They had a pretty good off season here. Their problem has been finding the right fit um, after the after their top line. I mean, it's the same problem a lot of teams have. They've got, you know, two of the better defensemen in the league in, in, in Shane, Shea Weber and, and Ben Sherrod. And then you've got some really good uh, talent up front. But they've had problems, uh, you know, finding a, a penalty-killing unit, good second, third-line centers and wings. Um, so they've, ha- they've had to work some things out. A couple of guys haven't quite worked out the way they hoped they would. Um, so it's, it's been a bit of a battle for them. But uh, I'll tell you what, you know, they showed up in the playoffs last year. They showed up this year. They've surprised a lot of people in, uh, you know, when it really matters. They might just be a little bit better uh, than, than people think when it matters. And, and it's really just a case of, you know, they might be a better team, a better playoff team than they are a regular season team because uh, they're a little more balanced. Uh, and as long as you got Carey Price, you're always going to have a shot. So um, they're getting there. Um, one of the things that kind of hurts them is they, they keep getting in the playoffs and they're not picking high in the draft. They, they could use a couple of high draft picks. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the next thing they have to do is trade some of these uh, second and third line players, package them for a, you know somebody's uh, first pick and then package that first pick with their own and see if they can move into the top five somehow. That would really give them a boost, I think, if they could get a player of that caliber. Roy, before we run out of time on our first segment here, as always, uh, Give you a little mm-hmm. shot to talk about the surprise season out there in Chicago. Uh, nobody thought at the beginning of the year that they were going to be one of the teams that would be surprising people a little bit, but they certainly have. Yeah, I assume you're talking about the Cubs uh, because uh, right. they, they've been exceptional. They just finished off a, a three-game sweep of the Padres at home. Padres came into Chicago this week, guys, with the best record in the National League, and the Cubs uh, – Cubs took care of them, and um, the Cubs are just playing exceptional baseball. What's amazing about the Cubs right now, guys, is that they're getting it from places no one expected. Um, they're getting, by the way, 2 nothing Montreal. Um, and Winnipeg's not a bad t- hockey team either. But, um, but the Cubs are getting it from, from places that, you know, Javier Baez is playing exceptionally well, leading the team in RBIs. Uh, Chris Bryant is playing at the level that you expect Chris Bryant to play at, MVP-like level. Uh, they're getting some starting pitching. The bullpen has been exceptional, absolutely exceptional. But they're getting it from guys. They got this kid, uh, Nance, one of their relievers, who they got out of independent ball. He's playing for a, a team, the uh, 
in, in Chicago in, in an ind- independent league. And this guy's got a, a 0.00 ERA. They've got a couple of young kids up that have helped them a lot. Uh, guys like Eric Sogard, who they signed very late in spring training. Matt Duffy, who they signed late. Patrick Wisdom, a former first-round pick of the Cardinals, who just really hasn't had a chance to play a lot at the major league level. He's got four homers in the last eight games for the Cubs. He's had to play because Anthony Rizzo's been out. Um, the team's playing exceptionally well. They're getting help from every uh, corner of the, uh, of the clubhouse right now. Uh, everybody that seems to get in the lineup for them, they've really had to test their depth, uh, has come through for them. They're playing good, smart baseball. And uh, right now, I think the big question is, you know, right now, it's impossible to see this team trading away Baez, uh, Rizzo, or Bryant at this point, or Wilson Contreras, any of those guys. I think they've got to hold on to all of them. They've got to run this thing as long as they can, uh, see if they can do it all the way through June, July, and August. It's, um, it, it's mm-hmm. a tough run, uh, but they've got the capability. It's, uh, it's evident uh, now. They, they make things happen on the bases. They're a fun team to watch right now, guys. And, Roger, uh, other than last night, you could say just the opposite about the Phillies. Uh, Joe's having a very, very tough time <laughs> making that team perform. Well, as Tommy uh, said in his uh, text the other day, they are really a bad team. And I think that everybody would agree. And uh, maybe uh, uh, we'll, we'll see a, a, an improved team now that they're out of May and into uh, June. Because uh, we don't need another. Uh, but I'll tell you, the Braves are uh, tied with Washington 1-1. But Freddie Freeman's not playing first base. I hope there's not an injury there. Oh, boy. All right, that's going to wind up our first segment. And uh, once again, Roy, as always, a pleasure. And we got the Cubs in sure. before you got out the picture. And uh, and also most of the things of the National Hockey League that really stand out. So thank you once again. It's a pleasure always. Have Magic a great week, always, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Have a good week. We'll do it again thank next you. week. Thanks for well, we're going to continue. To, we're going to continue talking about the Lightning, Tommy, because. Uh, Brian Bradley's on the line right now, and uh, no, no, he's going to give uh, us obvious. He's going to no. he's going to give us Don, the first down. The... Bradley didn't. Bradley what didn't mean? answer his phone. It's Stevie. Stevie's on. Oh, oh Stevie's oh, on. Oh, oh my God, we're going back to oh, baseball. Okay. Well, there we know. go. Hey, ALS night. Stevie's the best guy to have on on ALS night. So, uh, That's right. Hi, Steve. Steve. How you guys doing? Hey, really, Steve, very always well. great to very hear your well. voice and talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, tell you what we'll do. Roger, we'll let you kick it off tonight with Steve. Steve, we were talking about it a little earlier. Uh, it's uh, ALS Day in the major leagues, and uh, uh, because you know, uh, because of uh, Lou Gehrig, also n- uh, known as Lou Gehrig's disease, and um, I mentioned the Phillies have been involved in this uh, for years and years. And uh, but uh, I know that uh, you, as a baseball person, uh, you have to be really uh, happy with uh, you know what the major leagues are doing about this uh, dreaded disease. Yeah, anything they can do to help. I mean, it is a horrible disease, and families have to fight it. And uh, you know, in, in many ways, it affects you know it affects the perf- it, it affects people that don't have it. Uh, just as great as it affects the person suffering from it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult for a loved one to, uh, 
uh, have to go through this with another loved one, you know, when that person doesn't recognize you anymore. And you hope that someday in the future families don't have to, in the twilight of their years, uh, deal with a loved one not recognizing them or or going through this deterioration um, that we still deal with today. So, I mean, that's all I can say about that. It's horrible. No question about it. Two things I'd like to bring up with you, Steve. One would be uh, you were absolutely correct on one side of the ledger, and maybe I was a little bit correct on the other. I thought Cooper was going to be a great sign for the Yankees uh, for not too much money. He looked great when he pitched the no-hitter, but unfortunately, as uh, you you discussed and we all discussed, he goes on that IL all the time. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah, it's a shame that he went on the IL and maybe he makes it back. But, uh, you know, whenever, whenever I see pitchers, and this is a very odd year, uh, you know, you see it all over baseball. Guys right now are just entering periods where they're increasing their innings from last year. Many have surpassed their innings from last year. And you have to wonder how they're going to get through, you know, June, July, August, September. Um, And then you pile on guys that have been injured the last couple of years, or in the case of a man like Domingo German uh, was suspended and didn't pitch. Um, Now you're adding questions about how are they going to respond from not having an inning workload over two years. You know, Jamison Tyon, for instance, is a guy that hasn't pitched in two years. Uh, Chris Archer, who, who ended up on the IL with the Rays, um, hadn't pitched in a couple years, you know, a year and a half or so. Um, so guy, a guy like Kluber that has, I, I believe, one inning or so in the mm-hmm. last two years coming into this year, uh, one, he had to fight uh, getting back into pitching shape, and two, he had to keep his mechanics in line to avoid injury. And unfortunately, um, he wasn't able to avoid the IL. Tommy? Uh, it's just about that, you know, that you know, being an Indy fan I am. Steve, did you see the play in Pittsburgh about a week ago? Oh, my God. This set back major leagues over 100 years. The Pittsburgh first baseman caught the ball. He ran toward home. You know, he could have only used a force out. He didn't tag the guy home. Run scored. He threw more wildly in right field and never run scored. And all my years of life in baseball, at a professional I never saw a baseball was just so powerful. Yeah, what you know, one of the famous <laughs> things, and I think anybody who's a baseball fan on this call would agree to, is you tune into a baseball game because you're bound mm-hmm. to see something happen that you've never seen happen before, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's the beauty of the sport. Now, that play is very something I've never seen happen before, and I liked, I believe it was Trevor Williams of the uh, Pirates who said the real problem right. with that play was we should have been yelling, you know, all all of us on the bench and on the field should have been yelling uh, on what to do on that play, and we were we were dead silent. So, right. you know, that's that's a, a basically a team fail. But uh, no, I've never seen a play like that. Um, in my memory banks, and as I, and I've gone off on tangents before with you guys down memory lane, um, I don't have one. One that was unique. Yeah, 
Tommy, I'm I'm losing you. I don't know where the Roger is, but I, I'm out of. Yeah, you're, Tommy's you're breaking moving around up a little bit. If I can interpret, he was saying that Derek Shelton may, you know, uh, probably needs to Major get the team in line, you know, and that's probably true. Derek Shelton probably needs, uh, yep. you know, to get a little more buy-in from the players, you know, and one of his own players said that was a team function error, and it was. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody on the team needs to, uh, you know, get together and make that, you know, right. let them know what's going on out there. Roger? What do they spend all the... Do we lose Roger? No, he's on. Okay. I'm here. No, I just... I wanted Tommy to uh, continue because, uh, you know, we lost him and then uh, to get him back. Oh, okay. We got you, Tommy, or no? Yes, sir. Guard Roger up. (laughs) Okay, hey, Steve, uh, you know what's really interesting this year is the parity that's in uh, the uh, – even, the, you know, the NL East, and they thought they were, they, there was going to be parity. Uh, Phillies have not been – did not play well in May. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, the Braves uh, are – you know, they're there, and they're, uh, they're good. Uh, but uh, who do you think uh, in the NL East – and let's take it division by division – uh, who do you think will wind up uh, winning uh, their division in each of the uh, National League and the American League? Uh, that's an interesting question. Now, the the key variable in the National League East has been injuries. I mean, if you want to start with the Nationals and, you know, Steven Strasburg not being able to, mm-hmm. you know, get off the snide and a few other injuries there, um, including, you know, Juan Soto, uh, who's, you know, for Juan Soto is not putting up the kind of numbers that you'd like. You can go to the Atlanta Braves, who, you know, before before the incident, Marcelo Zuna wasn't hitting, but he also got injured. Mike Soroka, they expected him back, and he actually had a setback, and uh, he's probably done at the minimum until late August, you know, uh, maybe early September. We'll have to take a look. Um, the Mets, you know, they, keep, they thought they were going to get Carlos Carrasco back in mid-May, and now he's been pushed back maybe till mid-June or maybe – closer to the end of June, we'll have to see how that hamstring responds. So, uh, you know, for that division, you know, and, and of course, you know, we, we look at the Phillies, you know, Didi got, you know, Didi got off to a slow start and he's on the IL. Bryce Harper got off to a great start and then uh, went, I think, two for 26 and it was revealed that, yes, yeah. he's dealing with hand and forearm issues and that makes sense. Bryce Harper's a much better hitter than a two for 26 guy. Um, so you got those couple injuries um, to deal with. Um, so as the year goes on, these teams are going to kind of get healthy or, or bring in reinforcements from the minor leagues. You, re- you really overall have to like the Mets that they can get healthy. Um, you know, but then again, you know, as I say that, I just recall that Noah Syndergaard got shut down from his rehab and we'll be out until September at the earliest, you know. So, right. Uh, you know, uh, they did get Seth Lugo back into their into their pitching bullpen, and Tommy Hunter, uh, the back wasn't as bad as they thought, you know. And you know, yeah, he'll, he'll Lug, Lug, Luger pitched today. He, he was. Uh, uh, they won a game six to five. No, seven to six. Mm-hmm. I guess it was seven to six okay. or six to five. Anyway, 
they won late in the game, and, and uh, you're right. Uh, they've been playing, of all the teams in the NL East right now, uh, I don't know if they're the best team or not, but they've been playing better than anybody else. Yeah, and they're, they're quite injured, but as their guys come back, I expect them to play even better. So I, I do like them. You know, they've got the nice mix of starters and a nice mix in the back of their bullpen. Um, they right. don't have that, you know, you know, as I always say, if you don't have a bullpen, I'm not going to even discuss uh, a team going very far just because you can't. You know, we, you guys in Philadelphia saw it for back-to-back years. It just, in today's baseball, no bullpen means no winning. Um, so I like the Mets. I like the Mets. Now, the, the interesting, you know, going on to the, uh, you know, going on to the uh, NL uh, Central with the, uh, uh, with the, the Brewers, who are a surprise, you know, picking up Willie Adamas, to, you know, early on uh, makes them even better of a uh, better defensively, you know. But they did lose Lorenzo Cain now. It's <laughs> an injury to, to, to hurt that defense a little. Um, but they've got decent enough pitching, you know, and they, they run like the Rays with Craig Council. You know, he, he'll bring anybody in at any time for any duration. And um, I do like the team. They're a little bit starved on offense relative to the Cardinals and Cubs, in my opinion. I do like the Cardinals, but losing Jack Flaherty now, here we go with the injuries again, to an oblique uh, injury, which Mm -hmm. the uh, manager has called rather significant. Uh, Losing losing Flaherty for any extended period of time is going to make it hard on them. And then you've got the Cubs, who are getting a resurgence from Bryant. You know, Rizzo's playing, and Contreras has got the offense. The pitching's holding up. And Craig Kimbrell is lights out in the back of that bullpen, allowing them to mix and match leading up to him. So right now with the uh, with everything going on, the Cubs look like they actually have a very good chance of, you know, staying in this thing for a while and maybe even, you know, uh, maybe even being the team that, that comes out of that division on top. It's, it's kind of a toss-up between those three teams. Milwaukee's offense would be – the, the variable that I think will hold them down a little compared to the other two. Um, out of the National League West, we have you guys' uh, favorite guy uh, out there in San Francisco who now has the bullpen. To, you guys, the guy now has the bullpen to go to, um, and suddenly he knows how to manage, which is which is Roger. Funny Roger has a picture of him on his wall in his bedroom. He, uh, yeah, he always just, says a little prayer with him every night before he goes to sleep. You love him. Well, he learned how to. Ma- You're right. Yeah, he learned how to manage because he uh, a lousy <laughs> years in Philadelphia, and then Clentac. You got to agree with this, uh, Steve. Clentac did absolutely nothing, and McPhail, but hurt the Phillies in their uh, long term right. growth. Well, I'll, I'll stick to I'll stick to the managing style of Gay Kapler, and just <laughs> let you guys know that, like Tito. Uh, the man knows how to manage. He just didn't have the tools given to him in Philadelphia. And when Tito left Philadelphia, he seemed to have done pretty well. And when Kapler left Philadelphia, he's probably going to do pretty well as long as he has the tools provided for him. And you need a little bit of luck, gentlemen, when you when you take over a team. I mean, uh, the resurgence of Buster Posey and Evan Longoria this year, uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, including Gabe Kapler. And if he said he did, then he's probably lying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but 
um, in that division, I'll still take the Dodgers. You know, if I was going out to Vegas and putting money down, I'll take the Dodgers, even though they lost Dustin May, another injury. Uh, they've played this this far without Cody Bellinger. They just got him back. So, you know, David Price just came back to be a spot starter. Maybe they'll stretch him out as a starter. But I like the Dodgers. I like the Padres, and I like the Giants. It'll be a fun fight, but I do like the Dodgers. Um, until someone can un- dethrone them, I'm going to stick with them. Um, the AL West is a little Oh, I got to agree with you right there. You know, see, what about Cleveland's situation? Hats off goes to Terry Francona, to managed to post a thousand, you know, game up there and that. And you think you still got enough talent to win that division out over in Cleveland? No, I've said since day one that offense won't be able to carry them, and I don't believe you know Tito and the guys are running that pitching staff as hard as they can, hoping the offense will catch up and they can take the foot off the gas a little bit. But it, right. it's just not going to, you know, it's, in my eyes, Shane Beaver's just going to wear down as the year goes on, as is all the rest of the starters mm-hmm. uh, that Tito has forced into pitching six, six, you know, six and a third, seven innings, right. um, mm-hmm. you know, to try to bank as many wins as possible early in hopes that guys like Ahmad Rosario and Josh Naylor and a few other guys would really pick it up at the plate. Um, and, and maybe if the offense would, you know, click, they'd be able to back off on some of that pitching. There's no question about it. The bullpen's fine. I mean, they got a nice bullpen. Um, the problem's going to be if they lose a few starters, you know, right. uh, for an extended period of time or starters go in the toilet because they're tired instead of being tired in August or tired in July. Um, I yes, worry about that. You know, but I do. See, I worry about back. I worry about the game. I worry about the game. Last night, I don't know whether you had a chance to see all of the Yankee game again uh, against the Rays. But Sanchez leads off with a double. I can't remember whether it was the ninth inning or the tenth inning. The ground ball to shortstop right in front of him. He tries to run over to third base, and when uh, he's made more base running blunders already this year than anybody in American League. Tonight, I'm sitting here while we're doing the show, and I'm watching. And the Rays have runners on on uh, second and third. They're down two to one. Ground ball, front of the runner on the second base. Tries to go third, out by it. I mean, it, it, out by ten feet. Well, I mean, well, actually, the what? actually the Rays were da- actually the Rays were down two nothing, and the uh, uh, the run scored on that play. There was yeah, the run scored, but but well, but the time so run was a, on was second a, base. It was still. A, yeah, it was still a stupid base running play. And stupid. That's and last night, the same thing. Yeah, that's gone on as long as I can remember. You know, that the runner at second, um, especially, I think, in today's game, if you don't do a mental check of whether they're shifting or not, you know, usually, usually guys are being shifted, and you can take a look and say, okay, I've got, you know, if there's a ground ball, you know, there, there's going to be a hole. Well, both times the shortstop wasn't shifted behind second base and both times it was an easy out. So, you know, what the base runner needs to realize is they're not cutting behind you to pick you off and leaving the hole over, over there. They're staying stationary. And uh, in, in those cases, uh, they, they both need to uh, make sure that they're, they're more grounded than they are. You know, a lot of times also what happened to the Rays just now is the second baseman was playing right up the middle. 
and was basically standing on second base. So as soon as the shortstop got the ball, if he doesn't break the third, he's done at second base. They got him in a rundown, you know, because he was taking a secondary lead, which, again, is stupid because you shouldn't be taking a secondary lead if they're holding you on with the second baseman. Uh, so that that's kind of where the Rays situation, what Gary Sanchez was doing last night, because he had his head down from get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching, and he had his head down from get-go, and you can't do that. You can't have your head down, you know, looking down at your feet. Um, baseball and, 101, Steve. Baseball 101. You learn that in a little right, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible so, what these guys are doing. Yeah, the only mm-hmm. difference is in, in baseball 101 is the second baseman now is standing basically on second base, and if there's a hard hit one hopper to the shortstop, you're probably going to be dead. You have to either get picked off at second or you're going to be thrown out at third. Your only option is not to take a secondary lead. And, right. you know, you've been taught since Little League Baseball 101. When you're at second base, you got to get a good secondary lead. So if there's a single, you can score from second on the hit, um, especially with the, sh- the shallower left field in Yankee Stadium. Um, but Baseball 101 says take the secondary lead. Baseball 2021 says the second baseman's holding you tight so you can't take a secondary lead. And that's where mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of the issues where where players are still following baseball 101 and they're getting burned because baseball 2021 is kind of stepping in and saying, no, 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 we're not going to give you an easy return to second or an easy you know secondary lead, which is fascinating. Well, in this particular case, I, I have to disagree a little bit because I think the shortstop was playing at least 10 feet the left of second base. I mean, it was not that. Well, it's it was not even that close to play. It was second let's base. go to Roger because he, I know he's got a more interesting question than I do. Go ahead, Roger. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I I think it's it's very interesting uh, that Major League Baseball, as we talked about in the past, has, has taken over minor league baseball, and uh, Don, uh, the Trenton Thunder do not have a major league affiliate now, and that is uh, now they're. they're to- yeah, they're talking today about the Reading Phillies moving if they don't upgrade the ballpark by 2023. Uh, uh, so you, at least you have a, a couple of years, and they're working on it. I think they'll work that out. But I just think that Major League Baseball is just uh, uh, dominating too much. Uh, I think it's about time uh, somebody stops them from uh, doing what they're doing. I think they're ruining the game. I've said it for a long time. Uh, yeah, with uh, analytics and all this crap. And, uh, I mean, it's good to have some statistics, but baseball's been a statistic uh, sport for years, uh, probably from its, the beginning of uh, time. And, uh, Steve, what's your opinion about uh, what Major League Baseball has done uh, with the minor leagues? I love it. I, I've told you guys from get-go that Major League Baseball needed to do this 20 years ago and take over the minor leagues. Uh, minor leagues, are, you know, uh, a great a great operation um, the way it is now and the way it was in the past, you know, is was a little too haphazard. The parks weren't up to code. Um, you know, I just I, I'd much rather have a corporate entity like Major League Baseball running everything than having individual um, leagues and stuff like that having too much of a say in how the game is uh, going to work. So I love it. You know, I I, I don't. I wish they would have expanded the uh, number of players that teams are allowed to have a little bit. I don't. I won't get into exactly how that works, but 
Um, at least it went from 150 to 180 um, under contract and 190 over the off season. I wish they would have expanded that a little bit more um, and uh, may, maybe had a um, maybe had a uh, what you call it a uh, uh, maybe a third option in the Dominican or you know in, in one of the winter leagues. Um, you could get two Dominican teams. Uh, maybe maybe they should have allowed three, but no, I love it. I mean, I'm I told you guys I watch made I watch minor league baseball maybe one or two games a morning. You know, when I when I get up, I go to my computer and I turn on a game and I watch it and it's fantastic. You know, and I oh I love I it team, I love it I'm with you yeah I, and I, I just love don't, going to, I don't I love going to the game. The only thing you know like yeah. for, for me I'm totally uh, totally opposite. Baseball has never been better than it is the last ten years. Um, it's better. It's a better product, better overall. Because I, I only care about you know what I only really only care about the batter and hitter uh, battle. I want to either see a strikeout from the pitcher or, or a hard hit ball or a home run from the batter, and I really don't need anything else. So I'm a little bit different. You know, baseball. How out, how old are you, Steve? How old are you? Fifty fifty one. I go back to the 1980s. You know, where the baseball in the 70s was just really boring with. You know, putting yep. the ball in play and, you know, grounding, you know, guys like Roy White and Jack Brohammer and, and and guys like that, you know, and Alan Bannister and Tom Verizer and, you know, these guys mm-hmm. that were like hit 270 to 280, but that's all they did. It was just boring. I mean, I watched these old that's games right. and they, you know, basically, you know, if you want excitement back in the game, put the turf back that they had in the 80s back into like a seven mm-hmm. or eight parks and you'll get your excitement back. You know, if you want it, you know, if you want a little bit even more excitement, you know, expand, make, you know, dilute the pitching a little bit more. That's an easy way to Mm -hmm. make baseball more exciting is dilute the talent. You know, if you want, you know, if you want a better brand of baseball, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, you know, to make it, to make it better. But, you know, the, the idea of, you know, what major league baseball. I'm I'm, I'm old, I'm old hat too, just the way Roger is, uh, I, I, for instance, last night you said you watched the Rays game last time. You realize how many batters batted in that game that are hitting under 175? 175. Yeah, I've really I, yeah, I told you guys I can care less about batting average. All I care about is if a guy can hit the ball out of the park, get on base, mm-hmm. or if he can uh, – you'd, you'd, know, you'd rather watch 12 or 13 getting, strikes. He's not getting on base. Yeah. He's not getting yeah. on base when he strikes out. Yeah, like right I looked now. at that Red uh, Phillies game last night. It was a joke. In the fifth right, inning, there was already the, like nine strikeouts. If you look at the yearly numbers, you know, if you look at the yearly slash line in baseball, on-base percentage and slugging, it continues to rise from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s to today. The on-base percentage and runs scored and slugging continue to go up. I don't need to go back to watching guys, you know, you know, slap a ball into play. Now, if, yeah, now, but would, wait a second, Steve. That you got to you got to attribute a lot of that, and I don't mean just a little bit or a, a great deal of. I mean a lot of it. The ball they're using that, that's what's causing the home runs, not these, and the no, they're, they're stronger players and they're bigger them. players, but they juice up the ball because they want a lot of home runs, and everybody that comes to the plate. I mean, last night, for instance, a perfect example, uh, you're, you're going to your, this crazy rule of putting the guy on second base to get these games over with. 
I mean, they can't even move a guy from second to third with nobody out to try to win the game. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. As long as they, as long as they don't bunt. I mean, Brandon Lau, the first thing he did was ground to second and move the guy from second to third. The next guy tried to get a fly ball and didn't get it deep enough. So they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They just couldn't get the fly ball. They moved the guy from second to third. That wasn't an issue. The guy that but he's the only one they moved. He's the only one they moved. The, 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 the guy that made it not an issue was Clint Frazier, hit the ball out of the park. Then it didn't matter if you moved him from right. second to third. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, the main thing is, you know, Major League Baseball, the biggest mistake they did was, in my opinion, to kind of ruin the game, was they, they got rid of the ability to take a guy out at second base on the slide. They got rid of the ability to run a catcher over, and they got and they put, they put instant replay in the game to take the manager-umpire fight out of the game. Three things that fans used to absolutely love in the 80s, that even no matter what you do in baseball, you'll never get it back. You'll never have. Well, I, I, I got to say, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I think. No, that, I don't either. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think that, that, that uh, those were three. They were three things. I, I think some some video replay is fine, but I don't think because a guy steals second base and takes his hand an inch off the bag or a half an inch off the bag, and you show it eighteen times as, as you call him out. I mean, that to me, that's that's a re, a ridiculous use of replay. Uh, but if you're going to try, it'd be fun to see a collision at home plate again. Well, McCarver, yeah, and, I've and, a, I've and, a lot of, I've done a lot of shows with Tim McCarver. He is 100 percent opposed to that. And they go back to Posey. Yeah, that's who they bring up each time they talk about mm-hmm. this rule. Is the fact that same thing that happened. Go ahead. Hey, you, you want to hear something funny about the Posey play? The Buster, yeah, Posey play, the Buster Posey play is exactly how you want it to be played today. Mm-hmm. Posey was in front of third base. He, he gave the guy a clear sliding lane. The throw took him into the bag, which is all legal today. This is exactly the way the rule is written. The catcher stands in front of home plate. He could block the sliding lane. He has to provide it, but he could block the sliding lane if the throw pulls him into the baseline. The Buster Posey play under today's rules would not be a, an illegal play in any kind because he was standing in front of the bag, he caught the ball, turned, got into the sliding path, and got hit, which is exactly I could how not agree. I could not agree with you more except one thing. The identity of baseball in those days from Pete Rose right on up was you wipe the catcher out. You, you don't try to slide right. and find a spot. You wipe the catcher out. You try to get him to drop the ball. You try to make contact with him either just before he gets the ball or he's on a short hop, and you wipe him out. That, that, that's the reason for the rule, and I agree mm-hmm. with you. The Posey thing was fine. But uh, the, as Timmy McCarver said, why in the world are you going to sacrifice your catcher because you, uh, you, you're trying to create a collision at home plate. Well, that's what um, that's what those you know is the baseballs of you know sports are violent. Football gets you know football gets a lot of their uh, uh, television audience on those hard hits, you know, and they they show them over and over and over again, and they you know, they'll throw a flag, but they'll capitalize. I mean, take a look. 
you can't tune into a Rays and Yankees game without watching Araldis Chapman throw the ball at Mikey Brostow's head at almost 100 miles an hour. Major League Baseball, the telecast, they're going to continue showing that and living off of it. So Major League Baseball is one of the sports that has decided to de-escalate any kind of physical contact, and it makes the game kind of bland and boring, you know, for me at least. I mean, I'm, I like home runs, I like strikeouts, but I also like some action on the base. You know, uh, I, I, you, you see guys, these guys, as they slide today on a double play, they're not even in the camera angle and they're going down. No. They're not even trying to take the guy out at second base on a double play. Well, and they should. I agree with that. But but I listen. What I what I don't understand with you is that you. I understand you want to see home runs and you want to see strikeouts. But my point is, you got to get on base. It's nothing better than to see a home run when you got two or three men on base. Okay, it's exciting. So, yeah, and if you're just going to strike is, out and, home, and hit home runs, you're higher not... now that it, it keeps going up, <laughs> the on-base percentage. It keeps going mm-hmm. up. Hitters are getting on base more and more. They're just doing it via the walk. Oh, there's, there's a hit. They're doing it via, via the walk and other, mm-hmm. mo- other ways of getting Yankee, on base. Yankees just, just scored a couple batting. more. Four to one now that the uh, Yanks lead the race. Uh, Frazier just got a a line drive single up the middle. And, of course, he won the game last night with the home run. But yeah. let, me, let me just take it. Let me put it in this context for Ron. I'll let to Tommy get in here, too. But mm-hmm. uh, interesting, interesting baseball. I, I, I can't see how you think striking out and hitting home runs is interesting. You've you got to sit there with nothing happening. Probably seven of the nine innings. I mean, nothing happens well, except they strike it out. Depends, That's it. It depends how you how you view nothing happening. I I I watch I watch international soccer, which is ninety minutes of nothing happening. But I find something interesting right. happening almost every minute that the ball mm-hmm. is on the pitch. So for me, <laughs> what for me? I know it's a good way of putting it for you guys, but for me. What pitch the guy is going to throw to what location, to what speed, mm-hmm. and what plane he's going to cross, and is the hitter looking for it, and where is the defense, right. and how is everything going to change after the pitch? To me, that's baseball. That's my way mm-hmm. of watching baseball. I don't care about, like, I, I seldom care about, you know, who's on base or what's the situation or anything like that. For me, the way I watch baseball no. is a Tommy, simple... we'll let you wrap this one up with Steve. So we'll let you get the okay. last question in. Before we go to Mike. Okay, Steve, how you doing today? <laughs> um, you sound much you better now. I can actually hear you. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, God, you think about Lou Gehrig Day. Today is a very precious day in baseball. And, you know, this, you know, like the, the speech up there, the movies. And and you, and you think about that. You think how many times during the show I figure how many times you went to Cleveland Stadium and you sat in the same seat that Luke Gary could have sat and not playing that day? And I was very fortunate because I, I was I knew the Indians quite well. They said, "Tommy, come down here and take some swing shoes for kids." Swing shoes for kids, one of the big charities, which which I helped them out involved in. So, Steve, what I did, I went from third base to home, the cross home play, the old Cleveland Stadium. And I figured Luke Gary must have done this how many times in as a member of the Yankees. 
That was a special, special thing for me. So I had, had the opportunity to do that. But, but getting back to baseball right now, a lot of teams are playing 500 baseball, which is good. It's good for baseball. Usually, I used to tell Vince Lamoli, like Vince Lamoli, you Vince, no, I just got to get through. Just, just get through. When the kids get off from school, everybody in tennis will be increasing right now because what's the kids want to do? Watch a baseball game. Tommy, Tommy we only have another hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I speak about, you know, like the, doing that, Steve. And I see there's the old days up there, you know. But I, I think that's, you know, it's, it's great the way it's, way, it's been, way it's been done up there. So I, that's, I still believe that Lou Gehrig's a, you know, great, great, what he did for baseball, fantastic. I watched the movie again and again and again. And it's a special meaning, Steve, because, like, you know, we, you know, in, you know, spent time in Cleveland, and a lot of story with the old Cleveland Stadium being up there and that, and it's a lot of story being that way and that. So that's so why I got, I got my thirty seconds in. <laughs> okay. There you there go. You, go. you got well, you got I it in, in three and a half minutes, Tommy. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I was I was wrong. Freddie Freeman's okay. He's playing. He's at first Good. base. The Braves and the uh, uh, Nats are tied at one. Oh, the Yanks are up four to one right now, but uh, still still batting. And they got a couple guys on. Steve, I'll tell you, it's always a fun. I, I tell you, I I could we could go with you for two hours, and <laughs> we all have difference Absolutely. of opinion about different things. So thank hey, you very learned, very much as always. It's a, we learn, yeah, we learn, you all learned something. Thank you very very That's much. Good. I hope you join us real soon again. Thank oh, you, Steve. I always look forward to it, gentlemen. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Well, Mike is standing by now, and I I had a great introduction for him last week, but he never got on the phone. He hadn't paid his uh, telephone bill, and uh, <laughs> but he he kept emailing me, emailing me, telling me he said desperate straits, and I never found out exactly what happened to him. And then when the phone worked for him last week, I still haven't found out. Have you calmed down at all, Mike? <laughs> oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was just um, remarking on the fact that, you know, after the uh, Capitals went out, uh, it was just the, like the sky was falling up here. And maybe it was because we've had all those cicadas. So, you know how that goes. Kick <laughs> <laughs> it off, Roger. Well, well, Mike, uh, the the Nats and the Braves are tied at one, and uh, it looks like the uh, Nats are going to get out of this. They are. But uh, we were talking about the, in hockey about the Caps, you know, or uh, route, and uh, the uh, how's that, what do you, what's your opinion of about the, what happened to the Capitals and how does. What, uh, the Nats are in last place in the division, but I think they'll correct that. What's your impression of the uh, the Nats and what happened to the Caps? Well, I think the Caps are suffered a little bit from the fact that all the injuries right. that they've been able to put up for mm-hmm. put up with for years or put all for years kind of yep. caught all up with them at the same time. But part of the problem mm-hmm. is when you have one of the oldest rosters in the NHL, injuries are a thing. This is an old team. It's a veteran team. It's a heavy team. Mm-hmm. And we've known for a while now that the NFL is getting a little bit 
NHL is getting a little bit quicker, that there's more mm-hmm. of an emphasis on speed, and this sort of lumbering heavyweight old-school Broad Street bullies lineup that the Caps try right. to keep running back year after year after mm-hmm. year just isn't going to get it done, but they don't have a lot of salary cap flexibility to make moves. So I think that you're going to see some changes. you got the uh, expansion draft coming up. Um, there's a right. lot of rumors flowing around right now that the Caps will leave T.J. Oshie, who has ties to the uh, Seattle area, to Washington. Ooh. They'll leave him oh, unprotected. And then the uh, and the uh, Kraken will probably take him to be the initial face of the franchise. Uh, the GM of the Capitals was um, stopped short of saying that he would definitely protect Oshie in the expansion draft. Oshie said, you know, he wanted to stay here, but they have a lot of other play- players that they need to protect. Um, right. There looks to be a tra- that they're going to move uh, Kuznetsov this off season. They finally had enough of the underperforming on the ice and the well off the ice issues that he's been dealing with. He wasn't available uh, throughout for most of the playoffs because of a um, protocol breach, and he spent a lot of time in the. Uh, in, the COVID protocols, that, that uh, hurt them moving forward. So maybe they'll get some um, salary cap relief off of that. You know, they don't have a lot to make a lot of moves with. So they're really going to be sniffing around the edges as they try and figure out how to handle this. And then, you know, the big question is, of course, OP contracts, which is uh, up after next year, you know, do you want to resign him? It's hard to see them not resigning him and allowing him to finish his career and break whatever records he's going to break in a Capitals uniform. But, you know, if you're going to sign him, what's that cost going to be? And can you put a competitive team around him? You know, the fact that this – I think if you had asked Caps fans when he got drafted if they would take the one cup and be happy with it, the answer would have almost been uniformly, yeah, because this isn't a team that's enjoyed a lot of success. And at that point, this wasn't a city that would have enjoyed a little bit, a lot of success. But if he retires with only the one cup finals appearance and the one win, it's going to feel kind of like a little bit of a disappointment. So, you know, it's suffering from the same, okay, we're in the same place. We've been here before we finally got to break down and do something different. They got rid of the coach last year. Laviolette came in. He had a better regular season. But, again, we're looking at a first-round playoff exit in which they were, Mm -hmm. you know, to be honest, they were pretty thoroughly outplayed by Boston, and they just could not compete with them for basically the last four games of the series. The first two were really, really close. But as that series went on, Boston just was able to try to skate around them. And so mm-hmm. you're going to have to see them look in a slightly different direction moving forward if they want to be competitive in the uh, Eastern Conference next year. Mike, Mike let me ask you this. How, well, the, you know, Washington was supposed to have a, a competitive. Now, granted, a lot, of, a lot of injuries on the baseball front. How has it uh, affected uh, the crowds? Have, have, how's the interest in Washington now that – they're really struggling with injuries and able to put together any kind of a winning combination. 
Well, you know, right now the crowd is still going out because it's still a novelty to be able to go back and watch a baseball game after a year away. So you're still getting a lot of interest and fans wanting to go out, wanting to be part of the game, just wanting to re-experience that sort how of many, how many they How many do they allow in per game? Um, I know it was about – it's going up in D.C. Uh, um, I haven't looked at the mayor's latest figures, but I believe they, like the uh, Phillies, are heading back towards 100%. So I, I know when it started, it was like 6,000. It had been 12,000 miles. Uh, I think they're going to go back and open it up. But even if they open it up entirely, you know, what is that on average is going to be like 25,000, 27,000. You know, the ballpark is comparable in size to Citizens Bank, um, maybe a little bit smaller. Um, so the crowds are, 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 are there as much as they can be because the novelty is still there. But, right. you know, the struggles of the team this year combined with the struggles of the team last year are starting to take a toll. People are starting to think, as though, you know, maybe that World Series was more of a fluke than a sign of progress. Ooh. I mean, I'm shocked as you said that, Mike, because, Davey Moore team is always yours in baseball with the Rays and Chicago White Sox and and everything put together the talent to win that World Series. I don't I don't think it was a fluke right things at the right place at the right right time up there. That's the whole thing. It's just like when well, you put the I, Rays on the Joe Madden. I think I don't think that it, they're saying it's a fluke because of okay. of Davey Martinez's ability. Remember though, they were what. It, 17 and 37, something like that, before they went on a ridiculous run that season. And, and, you know, kind of all the stars aligned perfectly. They were getting offense, a bullpen, which had been struggling throughout so much the early season, all of a sudden became a strength. And the real big one there was Steven Strasburg was healthy and consistent for the longest stretch of his career, probably. You know, now Mm -hmm. the starting pitching been very inconsistent. Strasburg's back in and out of the lineup. Corbin's been hit a lot. And the most important thing is they just have not been able to get the bats to work consistently at all. You can see them. They can go out. They can put up 11 runs next one night, and then they'll go three or four nights without being able to score more than two. Yeah. Roger? Tough thing, tough thing. You know, Mike, uh, getting back to or getting over to soccer, uh, the United, uh, you know, they when I was there, what, a couple Saturdays ago, as you know, they won in that exciting, uh, what, 94th minute, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not one nothing. But then they, they've had two ties. And uh, Saturday night I was watching it for a while, and uh, it was a 2-2 tie against uh, Nashville. And um, what do you think of uh, their chances? Uh, do you, uh, you think that uh, they're on the rise or maybe they've uh, leveled off? I think they're definitely a much better team than they were last year, and they're showing it. Um, <laughs> MLS season is a lot, and I think sometimes, kind of like the NHL, I always, you've heard me say to Tommy so many times, like, I don't really pay attention to the NHL on a regular season until around Valentine's Day, maybe President's Day. It doesn't really mm-hmm. start to matter. With the, um, with the NLS season, you know, it really, you, you can lose it early 
you really need to look at what they're doing once uh, once the weather starts to change. Once you know we get past uh, the early Memorial Day, we get into the dog days of summer. You know when the transfer window opens, and if they can get more players in and they can address some of their needs. I've seen teams, uh, DC United being the best example. You know, they picked up Wayne Rooney around early part of June, um, early to mid-June, and they were dead last and went on a run and made it to the playoffs. So, Mm. you know, if they can add that one or two pieces that they may need, a lot of it's going to depend on Joseph Martinez, who's still coming off that catastrophic injury. Uh, How effectively and how quickly he returns to health and you know some semblance of the player that he was before he went down, he went down because he's still really their main goal scoring threat and it, they're going to need him so much of what they do goes through him and as he rounds himself back out in shape now they have a two week break right now you know we're about mm-hmm. to enter into tournament season for the internationals it starts tomorrow. You know, the U.S. has the game against Honduras in Recaf Nations League. Uh, They'll play, uh, you know, if they beat Honduras, they'll play Sunday night in the championship game. Next week, next Friday, as a matter of fact, the uh, European Cup postponed. Sunday, uh, the following Sunday, is the start of the uh, Copa America. A lot of the MLS players will be down there with the nations in South America. So uh, in addition to that, you know, they're going to take all the teams in MLS are going to take a a, a two week break, but when they come back, they may be missing some key players. I know for the Philadelphia union, like Jaime Montero is going to be gone and he could miss depending on how far the team goes. He could miss a couple of regular uh, of important games. Right. And then uh, in July, again, the uh, gold cup, starts. So it'll be a mostly MLS-based team for all of those teams. So a lot of those players could be absent again. It's a re- I'm saying that to say, Roger, it's going to be a really tricky season to handicap where teams are because we may not see a full roster again until sometime in like September. Wow. Tommy? Shocking. Shocking. Four months. Yeah. What's shocking about that guy, the soccer's kicking in and that's so, like who thinks gonna win the, the Stanley Cup on a switch back to hockey right now? Now how much pressure's on Ovechkin right now? Because I read all the papers Washington, this is Alex's team. I mean, this is they got rid of Barry Trotz, unfortunately. And beat a lot of the head coach when he's with Carolina up there and you know, I think everything's all for the best and once again, Washington—they're in the playoffs. So shocking again. They have a big, big season, and they come up shocking in the playoffs. What do you think? The edge is going to be this. What do you think? Whether the franchise has to know or stick with the same group of fellows that got them there this past year. I think they realize again. I think they realize that they need to put um, some more around him. I don't think there's any pressure on them back. I don't think there's any pressure okay. on Ovechkin. Okay. Ovechkin could retire tomorrow, and he would be—he'd never buy another meal or drink in this city as long as he stayed here. There's no pressure on Ovechkin. Everybody realizes up here, like there's only but so much that one hockey player on a team can do, right? We've right. seen so many teams 
that had that one star that just we were never able to do it because it takes so many players to make out a roster mm-hmm. and be competitive. There's really no right. pressure on Ovechkin anything other than what he does, which is to score the goals that he scores and mm-hmm. make them a legitimate team. I think the most of the pressure now lies on the ownership and the general manager to put a team around them, right? They had Barry Trotz. They got into the contract dispute. They let, made the move right. and let him go. The learners let him go, right? Um, they brought in Reardon. They thought he was supposed to be the guy. They let Trotz go because they thought Reardon was going to be the guy. He yeah, wasn't. Was terrible. They turned around. They brought in LaViolette, all right? So now you got your coach fixed up. I mean, there's not many more people who have a better resume in the uh, NHL than, than uh, LaViolette does. Right. It's down to what you can put around him to play. And, Mm -hmm. again, this sort of lumbering team. You're already the oldest team in the league when you signed Ilya Kovalchuk last year. You went out and you signed the only player in the NHL who actually still played against Wayne Gretzky. That's right. Yes, that's a great point. When you think I mean, about it, I was talking to a friend, I was talking to somebody. I said, you know, Zdeno Char has been in the league so long that his rookie year, I was still in high school, and I'm about to go back to wow. my 25th class reunion something in the next couple of years. Oh, you're that's just a brilliant. child. That's yeah, right. Twenty <laughs> fifth reunion. My gosh. Oh boy! Remember, boy. Mike, Mike, are you are you on the uh, are you on the Lightning bandwagon? Do you think they're playing or will continue to play the kind of hockey they're playing right now, which has been just exceptional? And the other thing is, is there any comments in Washington about what they're going to do about the Canadian group? How they're going to how they're going to make this next round come about? Are the Canadians going to uh, you know? Don is correct. You know, you still got one more round within the sort of uh, 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 conference, right? So it's not until you get to the final four. So they've got another round before they can figure out this Canadian thing. Uh, The guess would be if the travel restrictions are still in place the way that they look like they are and they probably could be, then the series will have to be played. In America, which I think would be a tremendous disadvantage to the Canadian teams. Yes, you know, yes, it would. Um, I was talking to my stepfather, who's a huge Canadians fan, Montreal Canadiens. He's from Montreal, so it's understandable. And they were just—they've been loving this, you know, the whole getting to see Montreal and Toronto in a playoff mm-hmm. series, having it go the way they were. You know, the Montreal Canadiens fans were absolutely over the moon. Um, the Canadians, the, even the Toronto fans, I don't know if you saw the picture making its rounds around social media of the fan who went and left the vintage hockey uh, helmet outside the stadium before Game 7 as an offering to the hockey gods to help the Toronto Maple Leafs win. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just been great watching um, watching that, those, those series. No, I like exactly. the, the uh, I like lightning. I you know you are the champ until you're not. Um they're certainly playing light the champs. 
I just think it's going to be a lot different when we get this whole thing in the conference finals and it gets all mixed up because you don't know who you're going to be playing, where you're going to be playing. You know, it's conceivable that you know, Toronto could end up having to play a team on the West Coast or something. Mm-hmm. He likes to negotiate stuff like that in the conference finals. I just think that's going to be the real equalizer and we'll have a better feel. Right now, it's just a war of strength getting out of these groups because these teams play so often. Just, you know, who can survive more so than who, who can flourish? Right. Roger? That's the main thing. Who can... But, no, go ahead, Tommy. No, that's, a, that's amazing. Who can, no, I was just going to say who can survive in that. I mean, that's that's the whole thing right now because you got the Lightning playing Carolina. We played Carolina several times. And, it, and after this next round, that's going to be the, the interesting round. And then you got the West team for the actually Stanley Cup final. Devin will settle this thing. The hints around about they could travel in the States right now. And I think they're going to settle this thing because Gary Bettman wants to do everything power for those owners up north of the border right there. So I think he'll do it, and we'll start seeing some hockey players that from coming down here playing the States for the Stanley Cup final. We don't know what's going to be. I'm hoping to be in Tampa again, but we don't know yet. We've got to get through Carolina first. Well, switching to another, uh, another area, and that would be uh... – Wait, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we talked about the owners of the the Bucks and, and uh, the ownership and their hockey franchise has things have things settled down uh, with what's happening in Europe in that regard. Um, it's it settled down as far as what the season's over, right? You know, um, it hasn't necessarily settled down for the teams that are in. Um, it, that are still nominally part of the uh, European Super League. They're still facing some sanctions from UEFA, but the season's over. And by the way, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that for the first time in history, a American soccer player lifted Europe's most prestigious soccer trophy. Uh, Christian Pulisic and Chelsea beat Manchester City to win the European Cup. Um, Pulisic was an instrumental part of that team. He, he was a fraction of an inch away from scoring the goal in the second half that would have sealed it for Chelsea. But for the first time, we have an American player, even a Champions League medal, lifting that big year trophy. And he went up, uh, kid from Hershey, Pennsylvania, as a matter of fact, goes up, lifts the trophy. It was a critical part of the team. So that tells us a lot about just how U.S. soccer is developing. Uh, you know, all the talk. The ESL, fan protests and stuff like that kind of ended in large part on Sunday when the season ended. And now the focus is going to be on the international tournaments, which are going to come up. And it's going to be a fun summer of three and four games a day played on different continents. It's another one of those seasons mm-hmm. where you're probably going to see about 26 to 27 of the teams that will play in the World Cup in 2022, uh, are going to play this song? Yeah, uh, Tommy, I was just uh, watching uh, ESPN. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres won the uh, number one draft pick in the NHL draft, and then Good. Uh, Good the uh, expansion team is going to have the second pick. 
So uh, it'll be interesting to see another new team in the NHL uh, next year. And um, the uh, uh, Mike Krzyzewski is going to retire after this next base, uh, basketball season. So, uh, yeah. and the associate head coach, but I'll tell you, I, Mike, I don't know whether you uh, have read anything about this. Uh, I saw a story about uh, the change in college basketball. And uh, uh, then there, there's a uh, stadium that's uh, or an arena that's going to be built in Atlanta. And it's for this new league, which is going to pay, uh, high school uh, or former high school players, uh, they can uh, go there and get their education and get paid $100,000 uh, a year. And it's got some big uh, names backing it up, including Jeff uh, Bezos uh, from Amazon. Have you heard anything about this up in the D.C. area, Mike? Not really. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the uh, – the G League and them trying to do this, and so much of it is going to be dependent on the next collective bargaining agreement. If you start a league where you pay high school players, NBA, as that is going to do, the set drops, this a name one and done rule, uh, and says high school players can go right into the NBA. That's once again any player that has an inkling that they might be. NBA caliber coming out of high school is just going to go right into the NBA. They're not going to try and experiment with that. You know, uh, but Mike, I, that's one in a million. That's that's LeBron James who was a a man in high school. Uh, you know, these kids don't no, have I'm any understanding. I'm not going to say that they're going to be any good. I'm saying <laughs> they can't the make a team. How can they? Every team has at least ten players going into camp that are legitimate NBA players, 10. So you, and then you got the draft. Now you're going to tell me that anybody, I mean, the chances of the draft guys making it if they're not in the first round are really marginal. I mean, it's a, it's a sport where, you know, high school, they have no shot in the world. They're, and they're, they're uh, you know, these they're agents or whatever these people are that are advising them are absolutely crazy. Don, Don, I couldn't agree with you more because for every LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, who were superstars straight out of high school, or Jermaine mm-hmm. O'Neal or Jonathan Bender, who had serviceable NBA careers, I can give you a Sean Livingston or Sebastian Pelfair or Darius Miles. A hundred. You give him like a hundred. Yeah, who right. came out and flamed out because they got bad advice, right? I would not tell somebody, you know, jump from, try and jump from high school straight into the NBA because you're playing, you know, you go, you're playing against kids that were yellow bus to school the year before, you're going from playing against them to Joel Embiid, right? That's too great a leap for anybody really to make unless you're in that elite category. All I'm saying is... Yeah, but see, Mike, they're not going to do that. That's that's not not the concept. The concept mm-hmm. is that they can come out of high school and play in their this own their uh, a league of just players like that, okay? And but they can get an education. Where are they going to get the hundred thousand to pay them, Roger? Where, where's the hundred thousand going to come from? It's coming from the investors in the league and also from the fans, okay? So, but it's going to be a, a league of 
of younger people, uh, younger players. And what I think it's going to do, it's going to kill college basketball in many ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to kill well, college basketball because I think that you might get the one and dones who are going. My guy, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, uh, college basketball is so superior to the pro game now. Well, uh, yeah, it's exactly. unbelievable. By the way, Philadelphia is up ninety four eighty seven over your Washington club, and those right. Washington's gonna they're gonna they're gonna take a bath too, just like the hockey team did. But we got a little long because Doug Hamilton is ready to go. All right, and, and I know, have, have a great week, Mike, and thank you very much. Yes, have thank a good you, Mike. Doug, welcome, welcome back. It's always a pleasure, and uh, mm-hmm. I know you must have one or two things on your mind that you'd like to touch <laughs> off with this evening. Give us a shot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you. Let's see. Um, I uh, was telling Frank when he patched me in, um, you know, my uh, my sister and uh, her husband and my niece uh, were in town from Kansas, and mom and dad, and they came over to the house. We uh, we had a little crab party um, this past week, and it was nice nice to see some family and spend some time. And you know, it really kind of you know just brings everything full circle. You know, um, you know when you when you work for a living and, and you know your nose is to the grindstone, or even in my case, when I wasn't working, you know, for that that period of time, you know how important you know family is, and and uh, how much support you guys gave me, and how much you cared about you know me getting a job and and uh, getting myself mm-hmm. back together, and it's just I don't know. So I would I would just open the show with the with um, just a little bit of gratitude for um, you know taking a deep breath every day and and uh, understanding mm-hmm. what's really important to you and. Um, you know, getting your priorities in line, so to speak, you know, and, and Frank and I had a nice chat and uh, we were talking about the transition from, you know, old job to new job and um, just how, how much better of a position it is for me now. And I have the opportunity to speak to some of my old members from time to time. And they tell me it's just not the same that it used to be either. You know, the ownership is not running that old club, like, you know, like it, um, like it used to be run. And, and, um, you know, I'm just, Incredibly happy that I've moved on and found uh, an opportunity elsewhere, and and, and um, you know can build from there. So um, you know that's kind of the editorial for life. Um, you know, as far as you know the show and and the sports and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot going on. If you're a hockey fan, you're you're in the playoffs. If you're a basketball mm-hmm. fan, you're in the playoffs. If um, you know, you're a baseball fan, you know, you're, you're, you're watching your team, you're getting ready for football season. Um, you know, lots of different stuff. I mean, obviously we've talked about horse racing before we've got the Belmont, uh, this weekend, the third leg of the triple crown, and there's just a lot of stuff going on, you know? So, um, it's just, it's good to be a fan and, uh, and watch all the stuff unravel. Doug, I got a question for you. Okay. Oh, oh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, you just mentioned about that you got to see your sister, brother-in-law, and your niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. understand uh, that your brother-in-law, is he still in the service? Yes. He's in the Army. He's not quite yet. I, I think that uh, the – well, he may actually be, but they're – the actual ceremony, I believe, is forthcoming in, in August, I think I heard my mom say. And, um, you know, he uh, – it's, 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 it's a rough life. You know, I know that my uh, my niece Miriam has moved around from, you know, Washington State to 
Oklahoma to now Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and uh, they're doing their thing. And, you know, um, unfortunately, I haven't seen any one of the three really um, that much over the course of time. And um, I think I think my brother-in-law, John, is, is about ready to, to get out. He, he even, uh, you know, when, uh, when they stopped by and they came down to the golf course, I wound up playing a few holes with my niece. Uh, she's nine, and she, she plays uh, a little bit of golf. And I went out, and I took her out and played three holes with her. And, um, you know, I think, I think John, you can see it on his face that he was, you know, a little weathered from, you know, the – dating back to when he was in the ROTC at Bucknell where he and my sister met. And, um, you know, I think he's about ready to shut it down. So Mm -hmm. what, what year did uh, your sister graduate? Uh, let's see. I graduated from W 96. I think my sister was 94. Okay. So, uh, she would have been uh, a few years ahead of my uh, daughter. My daughter graduated no two. Okay. And, and so my son-in-law played football there. He would have been the same. Nice. He's there the nice. same age. And yeah. uh, uh, but I paid a visit to the school, and it's it's a nice little quaint campus. It's um, what is it, Lewisburg, I guess. And uh, it's like yeah, very expensive school. <laughs> well, it it is. Um, you know, it's uh, a smaller variety, but it, you know, you have Lewisburg, and that's what you know. That's pretty much what it is. It's Bucknell, and then. There's really nothing else, if I remember correctly. Um, going oh, it's up a there, beautiful so. campus, and uh, yeah. have had a lot of uh, well-known people, including uh, Hall of Fame basketball coach Jay Wright, a graduate of Buckner. That's right, Tommy. Uh, but I, I wanted to find out because I was told that uh, your uh, brother-in-law uh, was, and I guess your sister were over in Japan for a while. Is that right? Um, yes, my sister actually uh, went over there. She talked English uh, to the Japanese. Um, I mean, I know that uh, my brother-in-law has been deployed a number of different times. He's probably traveled, you know, who knows how far. You know, he's definitely a frequent flyer, I would assume, um, in terms of the miles he's traveled through deployment. Um, so I'm sure he's happy to be back and, and um you know, he's originally from uh, the Pennsylvania area and probably itching to get back here. And I'd love to have, you know, my sister and, and everybody back a little bit closer here on the East Coast so that we could, you know, do some holidays and that sort of thing. I, I mean, I, I sure. miss that. Well, so. I brought, I, yeah, I only brought this up because we just had Memorial Day. And uh, mm-hmm. I obviously I'm retired from the Navy and uh, yeah. the uh, son of a retired Army colonel and the grand, uh, grandson right. of a retired Army colonel. So that's why yeah. I brought it up. So sure. now we'll get back to sports. Right. No, I mean, that's, very, that's very interesting to hear about Doug's family tree up there, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Get everybody back to one spot again. It'd be great. Doug, first well, hot weekend of the uh, springtime right now. And what do you tell the players going out for the first time? And you know the temperature is going to be 80 in the high 80s right now and sunshine up there. Yeah. I can tell you that um, the, the you know once we get into the real heat of the summer, which they're not there yet, this will be your first taste. Um, right. Well, we've had a little, we've had a few 90 degree days, but um, you know by and large the the membership uh, that I represent is a little bit more mature in, in terms of their ages, um, and they love to play you know fairly early in the morning, um, mm-hmm. you know and kind of get the rounds in and, and then move on to to whatever it is they do the rest of the day. Uh, but you know I I just think that. You know, guys uh, that go out the night before and, and uh, 
you know, go to parties and bars and drinking and carrying on and wake up and all of a sudden, you know, they get through about nine holes and they wonder why they have no gas because they're dehydrated. So, I mean, obviously, you know, all the precautions are, you know, in place with regard to, uh, you know, having, um, you know, plenty of hydration, uh, whether that's water, Mm -hmm. Gatorade, whatever. Um, Sunscreen is is incredibly important, um, you know, because even on, you know, 70, 75 degree days where the sun's, you know, nice and warm, you can still catch a nice burn. Um, So we've been selling... Uh, in the golf shop, you know, the um, the wide-brim hats, the bucket caps. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the ladies are looking to wear the uh, UPF kind of long-sleeve stuff. Um, so, co- you know, coverage of skin, particularly your nose, your ears, um, your head, et cetera. Um, you know, certain layers of clothing that you can wear. I mean, you don't really want to wear incredibly dense uh, cotton uh, that doesn't really wick the moisture and pull it away from your body so that you can perspire and and still breathe and, and, um, and be good there. Um, you know, wet towels, um, you know, different things that you can do to, to ensure sunglasses. I think if you can, some people can't play in Mm -hmm. them, but I think that, you know, covering, covering your eyes and making sure we don't have any uh, issues, you know, with sun in your eyes, those sorts of things. Um, you know, finding, you know, ample shade when you're, you know, in between shots or, you know, whatever, um, you know, at the turn, you know, certainly getting food that's that's light. Uh, certainly, we don't want to, you know, eat heavy things, fried foods, uh, sauces, etc. You know, uh, the old hot dog at the turn is probably not going to cut it. Um, yep. You know, I, I believe in I believe in snacking and, and kind of light fare. So, you know, almonds, nuts. Um, you know, uh, if you're going to eat something at the turn, maybe it's fruit, maybe it's, uh, you know, half of a wrap or something that's, you know, not incredibly, you know, filling. Um, so there's, you know, there's any number of things that we can do that, um, you know, ensure that we're going to, you know, be safe, be cool, and and, and still play some right. good golf. Good golf. Right, yeah, let's switch to baseball for a second because uh, yeah. we sort of had not high hopes, but middle ground <laughs> hopes when the Orioles broke out of camp and, uh, yeah. Sarasota that uh, and they came out of the gate in pretty fair fashion, but mm-hmm. unfortunately the last three weeks uh, have been a disaster. What what's the feeling in Baltimore? Um, you know, I, I think it's awfully nice that uh, fans are allowed to come back to uh, to you know Camden Yards, and I think that you know I think there's a lot of fans that are buying into you know what's going on, and I think I don't know how much longer that'll last um, in terms of the patience level, but you know I think that. Um, you know, there is some – I'm actually curious to see what, what the Orioles do as we get closer to uh, the trade deadline because, unfortunately, if you look at some of the players that they have, uh, John Means, Trey Mancini, uh, Cedric Mullins, um, you know, there's, you know, Santander, uh, Franco, Galvis, um, you know, guys that, I mean, whoever's in the bullpen, I think that they have some pieces that have value. Uh, the question is, is mm-hmm. the value greater than – you know, what they're going to produce and, and will they be a part of the rebuilding process in a few years when we actually do have, you know, the proper prospects in place to, to play at the major league level. I mean, you know, year after year, I mean, I think we have the fifth overall pick this year as it continues to move forward and, and the Orioles continue to lose. It's likely that we're going to have a top, you know, couple pick, you know, in, in the following year's draft. So, I mean, how many years do we need of, you know, get, getting these top five draft picks, 
Um, mm-hmm. Because as you guys know, I mean, it's it's not instantaneous that you get drafted and then all of a sudden, you know, the year after, two years after, you're in the major leagues. It doesn't really work that way. So, uh, I mean, Adley Rushman, I think, is probably at least a year, maybe two away. And, you know, they have some other pieces in double-A that, that have pitched pretty well. Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, um, you know, guys like that that I think are eventually going to make an impact. But, you know, where do we stand in two or three years with – what we have in place in the minor leagues versus what we have, you know, at the major league level. I mean, I think at one point in time, Trey Mancini was leading major league baseball and RBI, you know, but I don't, I don't see him being a part of that process in two or three years, you know, would someone be willing to give us, you know, pieces that, that can help us um, in terms of that rebuilding process. So, I mean, I think there's the fans like watching the Orioles, but they also understand that they're not, you know, very good, and and that's kind of the price you pay for being good in a few years, and that's the hope, I suppose. So, mm. Roger, interesting. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, they've been working on this for a few years now, yeah. and uh, I th- I think the uh, the reward will be in the in the near term. You know, uh, so. they have to build the farm system up, and and that's what we talked about earlier. The Phillies mm-hmm. are just in dire straits because of uh, for uh, a general manager uh, uh, operation uh, for several years. And I just looked at stats tonight. The, the five, I guess it was five years ago, four or five years ago, the Phillies had the number one pick in the draft, Mickey Moniak. And he's hitting mm-hmm. one seven or something like that at triple A. And, uh, you know, and, you know, when we were talking with Mike earlier, Doug, uh, Don mm-hmm. and I had talked about this. This was a number of years ago. Steven Strasburg, when he came mm-hmm. into Major League Baseball, they had him going into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it might have been, uh, might have been, uh, happened, might have happened. But when you have injuries, it, t- it takes yeah. its toll and it changes everything. Well, Roger, I, I said this um, when when the decision had to be made between signing Rendon versus Strasburg. Not one person would listen to me when I kept saying, sign Anthony Rendon. I said, you, you can't spend that kind of money for a pitcher. And his velocity has dropped. He's injured. They are going to wind up spending whatever it was, 200 and whatever million dollars on Steven Strasburg and get nothing in return when this contract mm-hmm. is all said and done. You know, he, he okay. came out of San Diego State as a flamethrower. And his mechanics were, were built for that 95 to 100-mile-an-hour fastball until he got injured. And, you know, you watch him pitch now. He hangs around 91, 92, and, you know, he has to pitch now instead of just throw the baseball. And, you know, if, if, right. if it were up to me, I'd have spent the money on Anthony Rendon because, unfortunately, I get to watch a lot of the Nationals games, and they, they can't hit a lick. Uh, so, you know, I think there's – what we're talking about, Roger, there's a there's a fine line between the supplementation of a very strong minor league system that develops their players and moves them along incrementally uh, that has them ready for the major leagues, and then you turn around and say, hey, I've got a few extra dollars here that I can spend in free agency, so let me let me let me uh, sweeten the pot by adding a couple extra players that I think can get us over the hump. And you guys know that, you know very well. Uh, you know, signing some free agents in in, uh, in Philadelphia and one of them's your right fielder. So I mean. If you're not if you're not ready to spend that kind of money and you're not ready to win, you're, you're wasting time. You know, aside from putting butts in the seats, you know, it's it's not going to do any good. 
Well, I was the first thing you have to think about is the fact that Harper, you you, you saw about signing Harper for the number of dollars. The best signing in baseball so far for a superstar, (laughs) the Dodgers. The Dodgers signed a player that was thrilled. He's hit three home runs and driven out of the how many runs so far. And what's he been there, two weeks or a week and a half Mm -hmm. or something like that. That's when you spend the money. Spend it on Strasburg, spend it on Harper, and to to the to the expense of all the other players that you need to make a team valuable is ridiculous. Right. And long term <laughs> contracts, I don't care if it's Babe Ruth, long term right. contracts don't buy you anything. Right. Well, the other thing well, is on with uh, with Harper, he plays so hard at 28 years old. He's been in, crashed into the wall. Look at how many uh, mm-hmm. games he's played because he came, he came up so young and he was wet on the uh, mm-hmm. cover of Sports Illustrated coming into ba- you know major leagues. But uh, t- it takes its toll, and I agree. I just do mm-hmm. not go for long-term contracts. And I'll tell you well, right now, J.P. Ricardo, that, that, that is too long. And Howard said mm-hmm. that last week. You don't give a five-year contract to a, what, a 31-year-old uh, catcher or 30-year-old catcher. Well, well look well, at Stanton. The Yankees are saddled with Stanton now for, what, another right. eight years. <laughs> right. I mean, you can get a guy out of high school. He may have hit the home runs of Stanton hits, but his average, I mean, it's unbelievable. Right. There's no production. You're right. Well, you know, uh, it's it's a it's a simple it's a simple mathematical computation. When these guys are doing this, you're, first of all, you're paying for the front end production that you hope you get that offsets the back end, you know, slide. You know, but at the right. same time, you know, you're, you're having to compete with all these teams. Somebody's going to spend the money, and if you want him, you've got to go get him. You got to. That's what you have to offer him. I mean, did anybody think that signing Albert Pujols for ten years when he was whatever old, you know what I mean? 32? Ridiculous. Was that a good idea? Ridiculous. You know I mean? but Dodgers, the Dodgers got him for the right price. <laughs> the right. Angels let him go, Three. and the Dodgers got him for nothing. If he helps them at right. all, That's right. they've won. For sure. For sure. All that money left. That's a good a good administration. Right. You well, know, I guess there's no doubt about that. Andrew Friedman, where he gets his well, series from, yeah, the Tampa right, Bay, Gary Center. Yeah, and I look at go. Tampa Bay, perfect example of how you have a, a, a small market with a very right. successful team. Unfortunately, they don't draw, but it, they right. still yeah. put a great product right. on the field and they win They're every right. year. They do. Darn right. They got a great product on the field. They won the Red League Championship last year. They, should, they won the World Series 2008. And, it goes down from look at the administrative people like CBK would say in baseball itself. And the main thing that made Andrew Friedman the genius that he is, and he, I talked to him one day when he's with the Rays. I says, I bet you're thinking your stories that, you know, like the, the Jerry Hunsinger's office is right next door. He says, Tommy, yes, I do. So that kind of gave me the hint right there that he's learned everything from Jerry Hunsinger. And you look what Andrew Friedman's done. That the Dodgers are all championship last year, and that's you know that's good. For, that's great for the Dodgers. Well, the, the one thing Tommy has to take into consideration: the Dodgers spend a lot of money. They oh, have yeah. a very, very either the highest or second highest payroll team, but they've got depth and players. They, they're not they're just oh, not yeah. signing one guy and expecting him to turn the franchise around. They have a million guys <laughs> in between the farm system and the pair of clubs. 
They got players right. everywhere. Hey, guys, hang on for that thought till next week. Frank Diamond said, tick, tick, tock, up against the clock, guys. Okay, well, so thank week. you very much. Another great week. Take, take care. Yeah, thank, sir. You. thank you, Don. Up. Thank you, Roger. Frank. Doug, have a great week. Yep. And, uh, Tommy, good to hear you. Uh, you sound strong. That's great. Frank, as you always, thank you. You are the, yes. our leader, our colonel. Yes, yes. Commander. Yes, Frank, you're, he's the commander-in-chief right there. So, well, Frank, thank you for everything. I'd like to thank all our guests for coming on every week. The most important thing is, you know, what Frank does every week for this show for the last X amount of years, we can't thank him enough. This is the best two, best two hours from week being on TV, talk, on, on the internet, talk of sports. Frank, God bless you, and a great job as always tonight. Great. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, these further interrupted each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know you know they're there. These are very difficult times for anybody in uniform. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Onofo Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogel, Longwood Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol and Brian Murphy, Plymouth PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy uh, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Jewish Clegg Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. <clears throat> Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Deputy Special Inspector Vinnie Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Ballard. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department. Officer Bob McKetchen, Bullock, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Sergeant Brian Levate, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. And Deputy Mike Malik. Pinellas uh, County Sheriff's Department and, and Lieutenant Deborah uh, Clayton, uh, Orange, uh, Orlando Police Department. My brothers and sisters, you may be 10 7 at this point in time, but sometime you'll be 10 10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back, may the rains fall softly on your fields, and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great weekend. Shemalek ma'ilama, Shemahezahilma, Sona Shenevoratfet, Hakuig again ma'ilama.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.